Thank you for coming back to hear the final stretch of AJ's story. Nothing changes until it changes, right? So if you've been moved by her story and others like it and want to know how you can do more to help the foster care system in your area, here are some resources that you can explore to help children and foster families. Canopy Children's Solutions, CASA, Children's Advocacy Center of Mississippi, Broadmoor Baptist Church, Mississippi Child Protection Services, Southern Christian Services, and many more. If you'd like to take your concerns straight to the state capitol, you can find your local representative listed at legislature.ms.gov. You can tell them we sent you. Thanks for listening. Okay. Some of the hardest parts about our journey was um, navigating the aftermath and trying to figure that out. How to live again as a, a family of four and not six. And and what I mean by that is some of the small things, right? You go to make dinner and naturally I grab six plates. Um, I didn't stop grabbing six plates. Every single time I do it, I'm like, okay, I only need four. That's a gut wrenching thing mm-hmm. right there. I didn't stop grabbing six plates with a natural hand um, probably until last year. It's now been um, three years. Um, the little, the little one's, uh, birthday's coming up and, uh, the older one, um, man, it's, they would be, uh, five and seven right now. So, and you know where they are? Um, no, we aren't allowed to have, um, we aren't allowed to have, communications with them so that was one of the things that I was like can you just tell me if they're okay can you just at least um and finally someone did answer me back one day months later was like they're okay they're they're doing good they're still together um but we were told that we weren't able to speak or see them or continue a relationship with them and I quote um it will be easier that way because if they continue to see you guys, it will just be harder for them to not be attached. And I'm like, Oh, now you want to talk about an attachment disorder. Like, okay. Yeah. Um, many people have asked us if when we moved up here, did we move away to get out of that situation or, uh, you know, to kind of run from it. Not at all. We were planning on bringing them with us after the adoption was, was finalized and um, fully prepared to, to, you know, continue life with them as, as part of it. And, and other people have asked um, if we would open our home up again and maybe get licensed here in Virginia. And the amount of uh, grief and trauma that we've went through with, um, with this situation, I just don't know that I could subject my children to that again, or my husband to it. Um, So there's a whole nother grieving process of wanting to do something like that, but also wanting to be protective 
um, of my family at the same time. And Corey and I both agree that, um, you know, we, we wanted more children, but at the same time, um, we just can't stand. We like, we couldn't, we just couldn't put our family through that again or, or the, at the chance that there could be. Um, so we, we've, we've talked about it at random. Um, it's one of the things that no one really talks about, uh, grieving in in general, but grieving at, at, through the foster care system, I'd never heard about until I started to live it. And it was one of, uh, uh, it's a pivotal moment for us in our marriage and in our family um, because we literally felt like we had hit rock bottom. I mean, it felt like death. Literally, I had couldn't see them, couldn't couldn't hear them or smell them or feed them or hug them or love them. Um, and because it was such a rush thing, I didn't even get to give them all their things. So their door to their bedroom stayed shut for probably four or five months it was such a long time we would try to go in there we couldn't do it um it was it literally was death it was it felt like death it was a sudden abrupt thing we weren't planning for and we had all the things around the house you know you move a couch cushion and you find a a passy or something Mm -hmm. um you know what else I wasn't expecting was going down the aisle uh in like walmart or target and not buying diapers Mm. or or little clothing at the time carter had had gotten out of of you know four t five t he was in little boys clothes so a lot of times in motherhood you don't hear people talk about or like i don't get to shop in that section anymore right there was a time where I had a meltdown in the middle of the store because I look over and I'm like, I would normally go to that side of the store and, you know, get whatever play clothes I could find. Or, you know, if they had some clearance, you know, you hit up the clearance rack and buy whatever. And, and as they were growing and we were giving out things to other foster homes and stuff, you know, we were all kind of doing our thing it was it was moments like that that I had to like mentally I wasn't prepared for them emotionally I wasn't prepared for them but it was so hard and then and then my kids didn't understand it and my husband who had finally tore down a wall Corey has a very similar past than what the older one did and so stability is a big issue for him and and people say that he's very overprotective of me and the children i don't think they realize that he never had stability before him and i were stable and and he's he's kind of like fight to like whenever i say he was willing to go to jail he <laughs> like he was like that's just him you know so stability was a was a big thing and we just can't risk it again right and uh the grieving process is something that i would like to see um, changed, uh, because I think people, um, therapy for us as a family, you know, the, the state, in my opinion, the state inflicted this trauma Mm -hmm. and then walked away scot-free. Um, and I was left to try to figure out what to do with it. Like, I had to go find her. We had to find our own, you know, I'm over here doing my own research and trying to find therapy and trying to like, just, 
just to be able to navigate the loss of something that we weren't expecting, you know, it wasn't something that we even had a discussion on. It was like, I should have never asked. I should have never wanted, you know, I should have just kept it. And we were so close to, to full adoption that I could have just, it was one of the things that I just thought I, I made a huge mistake by doing it. And I was, I felt so bad. I felt so guilty. You know, I, I cried one night to my husband to say like, I, I'm so sorry that I, I felt like I, I caused it. Um, and, but deep down, I, I, I know two things. One, I know that we love them. And while they were with us for two years, we knew that we, we showed them real love and taught them about Jesus and, and learned life lessons while they were there. Right. So walking away from it, I told myself, well, at least they know a real kind of love now. Um, and so I felt a little bit better about, we loved them and did everything that in our, in our capability that we could. Um, and then the other thing was I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't change any, anything as far as, you know, some people say, do you regret ever becoming a foster parent or do you regret going through it? Absolutely not. I don't, because if it meant changing it for one child, um, then it was worth it. You know, loving them in, in the event that they weren't able to stay with us, at least we could love them while, while, while they were with us. And now part of our journey, our healing journey is helping other people sort of navigate through those things and then giving, you know, some realistic advice on some of the things and um, using it as, as a, a good thing, right. You got to make some, some good out of it. And there's been a couple of things that um, towards the end, I think that the state was doing right. Um, there was a, a, a foster parent resource worker, I think it was, for the state, um, we met with him and we gave some concerns and he heard a lot from all the local foster parents and he was able to go back and sort of champion some of the small things that would make a big difference to us. So that was, um, that was great of what they were doing in general, but I'll always be an advocate for, for foster, foster care and becoming a, um, a resource family unit to, to serve others. Right. You know, I'm a big believer that if, as God has blessed us to be able to do and, and to be, and do for others that we should be doing that. And that is, that's one of the things where I don't want to discourage anyone from, from foster care at all. I'll always be an advocate for it. It's just one of those things that, um, I don't know that I could, that we could do again. And maybe, and maybe whenever our children are older and it's just me and Corey again, and we can do that in our home, but, um, we decided to focus on Cadence and Carter and, uh, we've grown closer since we've moved up here, um, mainly because it was during COVID when we moved and, you know, it was just us four and we did some adventures, but part of that was our, was healing. And, uh, mm -hmm. we still grieve, right. We still grieve over it. Cause I, it's one of those things that you won't ever, I don't think you'll ever get over. You just learn how to, how to live with, especially whenever you see the children as your own, or, and you're even told that you can see them as your own now, like, Hey, 
they're not leaving. These are, you know, your children make all the plans and just let us know. We brought them to Disney. We did all, all the family things. They even told us, Hey, you don't have to bring them to Disney with, with your children. You know, they can be in a, um, uh, respite home. And I'm like, well, there are children too. So, I mean, I didn't refer to them as, well, these are our bio kids and these are our, our foster kids. Like, no, these are all of our kids. Right. So it's just, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird thing to kind of look back. And actually, this is the first time I think I've told that story out loud to anyone else outside of, you know, like the folks that, that here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. And I, I certainly don't want this to discourage anyone. We need good foster parents, but we also need an entire overhaul Mm -hmm. on the system. Um, And the only way that's going to happen is if more people advocate, more people get loud about it and stay loud about it. Yeah. You know, um, it's kind of like the squeaky wheel gets the grease kind of thing. I don't think any change is going to, going to happen if people don't, a lot of people don't start demanding and banging, banging those doors down. Um, I, um, I certainly don't think that that one person could, can do it alone. I think it, it, it was, it's one of those things that we would all have to band up for because, um, immediately at like, while and after it happened, I reached out to the commissioner and the deputy and all the folks, you know, down and up, um, not the, not the current one. Um, this was previous leadership that was there. And I was, I was told that, well, there's nothing that we can do. Um, I hired a lawyer. We tried to fight it the legal way. Well, I went through three lawyers because the first two did not want to fight the state. Um, once they realized what, uh, what was happening. And after I told them, you know, during the consultation, you know, they, they said that uh, they weren't able to, uh, to fight the state on it because they knew how the system was. Um, Corey was like, you're not, we can't, we can't do that. We can't, I can't do that. Cadence and Carter, you know, there, that is a whole nother, uh, level. And that's just, no, we can't. And so we, we had to walk away from it. And it was, that is insane. Insane. Yeah. Yeah. So it was one of those things that I very much, um, think that part of, part of our journey was meant to happen so that it could expose some of the things that shouldn't be happening in in the system that could be changed i'm this is gonna sit with me for i gotta i gotta stew over all this it's a lot and and i i would not know any of this you know every Mm -hmm. i really only know about bailey's fostering situation and I know that they're all different and my heart is just oh my god I can guarantee you if you were to go back and look at their case files it wouldn't look anything like what I just told you Mm. and that's wrong that that's a uh yeah okay I, I don't I even know. know what to say. I'm, I know. I'm spe- truly, I'm speechless. And I'm like, my blood is boiling. 
it is it's something that was hard for us to accept for a long time um and and there there was a time where the person that made the decision about all of this happening um we had ended up finding church um again uh we had stayed out of church i told you we stayed in our home for like I don't know, a couple months, it felt like, but at that point, like we didn't, we hadn't, we hadn't been to church during those timeframes because the kids would go, you know, we'd all go before, but it was like one of the things where I just couldn't face people. And the very first time that we we go back, um, we visited with a, 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 a sister church of the one that we were, we were at a different campus because we thought, well, nobody will know us there. We can just go and, and then come. And I look over and diagonally is the lady that made the decision. And I felt like God was testing me because every part of me, like I remember looking at her and was like, God, what are you trying to tell me? What are you, what are you trying to tell me? It took me a very long time to, uh, to forgive her. But I really thought I was going to like the first time I go back to church since we've lost the boys. And I see the lady that ultimately made the then made the decision and disregarded all the things. Um, and here she is praising Jesus alongside of me. And I'm like, I just, Oh, all yeah, the things, that's right. A, so it's, that's a test of faith right there. No yeah, doubt. Very, very difficult. So those, those things I have accepted now that it's been three years as it's been three years, just one mm-hmm. of those things. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Thank you so much for sharing all that. Sorry, me and Ashley cried. (laughs) I think I I have more or less just sat here shaking my head the entire time. Like just. Yeah. I never really told a lot of people any of it. One, because I think we lived in fear of losing our biological children. Sure. But but then two, I didn't want to discourage anyone from from being you know because I was such an advocate before and then here I am with this and it's like you know our our story is our story and I know that there's a purpose for it um and I know that there's plenty of success stories out there um but my hope is that um is that there is some change to come out of out of some of it because um things could have been avoided had had some of the the workers cared more about the child and not just the name on the paper kind of, kind of thing, their individual tailored needs instead of a robotic, like think, right. You know, food, clothing, shelter. Sure. Got it. Um, but that love and nurturing piece of that is irreplaceable. And the attachment piece of that is, um, is irreplaceable, but it's also part of the journey. I mean, you, you go to the classes and they prepare you for like how to, you know, recognize signs of physical abuse or sexual abuse or whatever. But what they don't tell you is all the things that happen with like attachment theory and attachment disorder and like all the things that's since the eighties, you know, um, you know, a lot has, has come a long way. And I think mm-hmm. they really should update their, um, their educational requirements. And then, you know, just because you got a degree back in 
1990 doesn't mean that things haven't changed or progressed since then, right? It's kind of like technology. Research and development is a whole nother world. And when it comes to childhood and childhood trauma, these folks need to be 100% fully trained in all the latest and greatest um, on childhood trauma and the way that it affects, and not just for the child, but also for the family that is um, that, that resource unit for them. Because um, people that foster, they're not looking to do any ill intent. They're looking to to do all the good things, right? They, a lot of folks just, and a lot of people say, oh, you, they foster for the, you know, you know, they just get money or whatever. Well, let me just tell you, we went eight months before we ever got any sort of um, board um, payment that helped pay for their um, childcare and stuff. Cause it's not anything that you would make money on. It was barely enough to cover um, their uh, daycare and all the therapy and stuff. So mm. anyway, I, that's my hope is if, if it, uh, if it could be, um, if reform is going to happen, I would, from the educational perspective, it needs to be more advanced. Yeah. Lordy. What can we do? We write it down. Now I just have like a fire mm. right now. Mm. Um, AJ, thank you so much for sharing that. I know that was hard. Um, and I hope that your story doesn't scare other people, but like Ashley, we write at dawn, what do we do <laughs> to help the children, yeah. to help the system, to help our state, um, to help each other. So thank you. Thank you for sharing. I know that wasn't easy. Um, Ashley, do you have anything else? Not that I can say on, on a microphone right now. Okay. <laughs> I just, All right. I, I appreciate you sharing your story and yes. I'm, yeah, I know. I will be thinking about you and your family, especially over the next couple of weeks, because I know that I, I I can hear your heartbreak still when you yeah. retold this story. And I know that the holidays probably does make it a little bit harder. So mm-hmm. I will be thinking about y'all and I will be praying for you. And I have no other words. I mean, (laughs) truly, I don't. Well, thank you everybody for listening and for being here. Um, This is where we'll leave you for this episode. And thank you again, AJ. We'll be thinking of you. Thank you guys. I start crying again. (laughs)